It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the Bernabeu! That's a shaman! Giroud plays it in the middle! Ahead again! And Ramsey arriving! And Arsenal are back in front! Scores in the FA Cup final again! Just as he did in 2014! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Arsenal Editor podcast. It's New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. We've had a, a good Christmas. A, a furious last couple of days but look let's start with the many thanks that we owe you um for coming to the quiz it was a great quiz the christmas quiz it was just a couple of days before christmas we got to hand out some great prizes uh it was a hell of a lot of fun it was extremely silly um and fortunately we've got gus here with us today who also joins the quiz welcome back gus how you doing i'm good thank you well i am good, good. But i'm a bit sad for obvious yeah. reasons yeah i i think um the way i would sort of describe how i feel would be like seething. I don't know if you're the same. <laughs> I was. I was. Yeah, no. I was very, very hungover mm. when I was watching it. And uh, that obviously is not a great start point. And then when things start to, start to go wrong, yeah, mm. I, I feel I've gathered my thoughts a little bit more now and can look at it with a bit more perspective. But at the time, I was, yeah, a weird mix of emotions of being very happy with the performance and very angry at the result. Yeah, and I think the overarching feeling has to be the happiness in a sense. I mean, it's a, we knew that it was a marker that we had to set, and we played so well. I mean, there was everything about the performance was exceptional. We just did everything that we wanted to do. It was our game. I thought we were the better team, which is very difficult against the best team probably in the world, the most expensive team in history against probably the best manager around at the moment. So, And they were on a team, you know, winning run of 10 in a row all of which scoring about 55 goals in each game both home both all you know away they've got a team that can rotate they've got two 11s that could easily win the premier league both 11s they could they don't have to worry about these these large amount of fixtures like they they basically have the resources to do whatever they want and we it felt like we turned them over in in, in the performance at least anyway um we'll get onto some refereeing decisions and some sloppiness perhaps but um it was really pleasing like from start to finish i think where we wanted to play in the pitch winning the ball back where we wanted to win the ball back preciseness of passing some of the players that perhaps haven't been stepping up where we needed them to be with senior players certainly did um and it all looked really good so i mean <laughs> there was a lot to like what do you think yeah i mean we were texting before the game and most of the opinions in our in our whatsapp group was essentially like obviously we've got pumped 5-0 at the Etihad in like August, September time. Mm. And uh my my main figure, which is echoed by most everyone else, is like I just want to be in the game at 90 minutes. Yep. Like I I don't expect us to beat City. Um I just don't I, I I hate it when it gets to you know 60, 17 minutes. You just feel obliged to sit there and watch it and you know like especially in the in the game earlier in the season, Jack got yeah. sent off really early. And at that point, I was like, well, the game's over then. Like, there is no way for us possibly to come back into this. Um, and I remember the, the game in September of we started relatively brightly for about two minutes, and that was the only positive in the game. Mm. There, there was literally nothing else that you could look at and think that was good, um, which is almost the complete opposite uh of this time around so yeah I, the amount of progress that's been made is 
it's so much more than I expected. And I came away from that. I remember texting at half time saying, mm. based on that half's performance, this team is ready to play in the Champions League. And up yep. until that, I've not thought it. So like, can we, can we not get top four? I've always thought, well, even if we do, I don't think we're good enough to play in that competition anyway. Yeah. Um, so, and then this was the first time where I've looked at them being like, they they can play in the Champions League. Um, you know, in the especially with the teams that you get from the the smaller nations, you can roll those over. Yeah. Well, that's it. We can we can we've we've got a squad now, or at least a team that can compete on a on a, a hell team, of a level. Yeah, definitely a not team. A squad. Yeah. And that's it. I don't think we have the depth to do it. Like, I, for example, I don't think we'll be pe- playing at that level if we had even the Europa League at the moment. Yeah, I agreed. think our next level of transfer activity has to be something that can start, you know, replacing the El Nenis or even the Jackers or whoever it may be that is cover or that comes on as squad players or whatever that needs to be rotated. I mean, Man City are the the perfect team in that sense, aren't they? They've they've got cover of an absolute elite level in every competition. I yeah, mean, you just said they've got two yeah. two elevens. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah. In, it, it, it's, it's not even just been this game because I know we've been playing the likes of Norwich, Leeds and all that sort of, teams um but it does look like there has been a ruthlessness and a sign of a pattern and a readiness about this team that haven't seen in a long time and it was so good to see it against the best team in the world sorry go on yeah i also don't don't buy that argument ever like Mm. yeah okay you played norwich and leeds whoever everyone has played everyone at this point like if you've played two games at the beginning of the season and we've played Norwich and Burnley, mm. for example, you could say, and you won both of them, like, yeah, fine, you're top. But after 19, 20 games, everyone has played everyone. Mm-hmm. We've played most of the big teams away. It's true. And we're fourth. Yes, you know, United and Tottenham can go above us if they win their games in hand. But even then, you're sixth and you're right in their mix with the top four teams. Whereas this time last season, we were like, 15th i think yeah it was outrageous i mean the, the progress they've made is is outrageous and the conversations we're having really about selection are are, are good ones you know is it yeah, yeah, yeah. smith rowe is it martinelli is it tavares is it tierney is it all these different things and we haven't even seen the conga in a while which is something i'm sure we'll get onto at some point but these are all good things and good decisions that are happening rather than having to put jacka at left back at positions last season you know this is a hugely hugely different um way of looking at the whole <laughs> I thing can't, i can't imagine that now <laughs> absolutely not um just a quick uh, one so, so can, you, can we what, what did you can you go, you go on um take the video off i think the internet's just started to lag okay. a little bit i think we'll yeah. be good otherwise what was your question um what, what did you think of the team like before mm. the game i was a bit worried that um arteta was going to try and be really clever mm. you know when yeah. he's like when we played william at false nine either this season or last season i was like i really hope obviously you don't have william but i was like i really hope we just play how we have been yeah yeah it, it felt like that it it felt like they wanted to lay down a marker and we've been at home helps we've been unplayable at home i think at times and we were up there with man city until this game you know in terms of points of winning at home and, and i think we look really good so um it, yeah I, I was really happy that we were playing the team that we was continuously playing the only decision i thought was really up for grabs other than tommy Ashley coming in which we none of us expected um but was really glad he did the only really question was the Emil Smith Rowe conversation, which is again yeah. a good conversation to have. Two very good players. Martinelli is just the one in form at the moment. And Emil Smith Rowe is coming back from injury. And I think um consistently Arteta's been a manager that 
has said to somebody, well, if you're playing well, once you're coming in, if somebody's injured or somebody's suspended, somebody's got to earn the right to come back in. And Martinelli is playing out of his skin at the moment and is really showing the player that he can be. So I, I was really happy that we were ready to do that. And it, it really showed. I thought we were really good throughout the majority of it. I thought we had good chances. I think we were winning the ball up like, up in their face, up in their half. Um, they were trying to play through us in the way they do, trying to go through Rodri. The party was stopping everything from its source. Mares and Sterling. I didn't even know Mares was playing until the second half, to be honest. And Sterling couldn't get an edgeway past Tommy Asu. I thought we just had their number, no matter what route they tried to take. And everything in the transition just showed from that. And um, I mean, the goal was just crazy, right? I mean, what a goal from Saka. He's starting to shoot more. Um, you know, showing our faith in in him to do that. And I think it's looking like he's been instructed along with the other youngsters to shoot more and just get in amongst it. So, yeah, I was really yeah, happy that. Hmm. I don't I don't know how that's happened because like maybe even as little as a month ago we were relatively solid defensively but our clear problem was that we didn't have much cohesion and attack and then suddenly something's clicked somewhere and it's it's not because Man City literally did just shoot more uh, yeah yesterday they uh, they had so many shots from outside the area that just went. I think De Bruyne's was the only one that was even close, and that wasn't that close. Mm. Um, all the others, they just seemed to like smash them over the bar. Whereas yeah. the shots we did take were from decent positions. Yeah, it was um, really obvious. That, so wasn't I don't it? really understand how that's how that's mm. happened, but I like it. Yeah, I don't really like it. And again, against the teams that we mentioned before, you know, and these were difficult teams to play away, you know, Leeds and Norwich and things like that. So um, it's really been evident that we're starting to play in the other half. I was still worried when we played Southampton. I know we won that, what, 3-0, But I remember the first goal and all of the goals really having to come from within our own half, having to play the perfect ball and the perfect positioning to, to 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 score a goal in the perfect way but it doesn't really seem to be like that at the moment and that's the yeah. criticism we've had of Arteta isn't it like the, the, the thing that I think has changed the most is being far more offensive without the ball mm. so if if the if before where are so many of our um who's the goal is it was it get that goal against Southampton where we played it out from the back mm-hmm. I think that's the one the first goal yeah and yeah. It was, yeah yeah where Lacazette scored it was just like a perfect Arteta goal mm-hmm. um and that's really hard to do because if Ramsdale has the ball at his feet they can get set quite easily mm-hmm. whereas if you win the ball very high up they're they've had the ball and suddenly they don't have it. So everyone's out of position and you could yeah. see even on our, on our goal, like Ben White intercepts or makes a tackle on De Bruyne and immediately plays it forward. And there's a little um, interplay between um, party and Odegaard, but mm-hmm. suddenly like you can fizz the ball out wide and then there's, you've got a numerical advantage. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, it was so good. I, I didn't expect us to go ahead. And at the time, I was like, this is 100% deserved as well. I 100%. think City, City started actually probably better than we did for the first five, 10 minutes and just dominated the ball. You know, they put that little graphic mm-hmm. up at the bottom and say how much percent possession they've had. And they were like 70, 80% or something. And I was starting to think, oh, God, this could be a long 90 yeah. minutes. But very quickly, we grew into the game. And, um, Really, I think our first chance was really the the Odegaard one, where mm. I think he actually took quite a poor touch in the position he was in. Yeah, but but, but then yeah, everything else. Well, so 
it's hard to talk about the Odegaard penalty without the the context of the rest of the refereeing decision, particularly yeah. the mirroring of like the other penalty. Um, and actually the referees throughout the match. I mean, first of yeah. all, just to sort of finish on how well we played in that first half, which I think should be the underlying point and yeah, really yeah, what we come I away agree. from this because it's so important. Like we've, I've not seen anyone in the Premier League do that to Man City this season or I can't yeah. remember it in a hell of a long time. We shut them out. They had two shots on target this game and that was, that was the penalty obviously and um, the last goal at the end which was just a breakaway and you know, an unfortunate slash a bit sloppy um, last minute kind of scramble but we can get to that but I think yeah I mean look so here we are with the refereeing right (laughs) okay so I think overall my issue with the refereeing was the inconsistency between what was given to either side and now that's very easy to say but I think what what was really frustrating is that you could justify every decision that was given that match I don't think that there was many decisions or any decision that was a clear-cut, incorrect decision. Now, actually, I've looked back at the Odegaard and the replay of that, and I think that was about as clear-cut as a penalty as you can get. I'm not sure what replay the VAR were given at that point. Um, do you remember the one that I sent to you? I think it was circulating yeah, Twitter yeah. and even was showed yeah, on BT yeah, yeah. at halftime. It is about as clear as day that Odegaard, um, his foot gets cleared out in order to get the ball, he doesn't get any of the ball until the foot has been cleared in order to get the ball. It's about as stone cut as get. If that is seen by VAR, I do not understand what um, clear and obvious is supposed to be. But look, it, from a lot of angles, it was very difficult because the angles we got shown on BT were very wide and all that sort of stuff. Um, but then you get to the other penalty, it was given at the other end. And the referee was absolutely dead certain it wasn't a penalty, as was the linesman. Everyone thought that he'd gone down easily, which I think is true. Um it looked on, you know, but then that was obviously, was it as clear a cut and obvious or whatever the way they call it, clear and obvious as a decision to make him go and look at? I don't know. But I, like either you have to give both of those penalties or at least get them looked at or none of them. Like I think the first one was more clear and obvious a mistake than the second one. Do I think both of them could have been penalties? Yes. Do I think both of them couldn't have been? Certainly more so the second one than the, um, the first. Um, do I think Shaka was stupid? Yes. Do I think either of the contact, either the shirt pull or the slight contact on the leg, is what made Bernardo Silva go down? Absolutely not. You know, do you think is... the contact on Odegaard make him go down? I do, yeah, to, to, to do be you? honest. I do, yeah, because have you seen the... I, I think... But look, it, to be honest, if you do think there's a discussion point there, that's absolutely fine. But the point is there is a discussion point and there isn't the other one. Yeah, yeah. But one was not even looked at and one was actually overturned <laughs> given my, what was thought on the pitch. So my it's, thoughts it's were very similar mad. to you mm. in that I, I've like made a few notes and I was like, both the penalty de- decisions in isolation, you could justify. Mm. Either but, way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if if neither were given as a penalty or both were go given as a penalty, mm. I don't think you could complain that much as a city or an Arsenal fan. Yeah. Like if we got given that penalty, then Odegaard had gone down and let's say Lacazette scores and then Xhaka makes that foul, I'd say, yeah, I obviously rather it wasn't, but I think they're both probably slightly soft penalties to to give. Mm. Um, but the thing that I couldn't understand is why it wasn't referred to for them to view it because it, that is the like it's pointless the review thing because if as soon as as soon as you the ref gets told to go and review it yeah he's never going to look at it and be like no you guys obviously look at this and think it's a penalty but I don't 
it takes a very brave referee to do that. But I don't remember any of this problem in the World Cup. No, no. So I don't. It's it's the it's the level of officiating. It has to be like it's still somebody sitting behind a desk at Stockley Park. I'm just curious whether whether they have this problem in Germany or in Spain Mm. or in Italy, like in any of the other big leagues. Obviously, there's going to be decisions that people are not happy with, but. I feel this is like it's just such a common thing, mm. and and I think it's it's a, that's a really good question. I think I don't know the answer to it, and I'd like to find out maybe from journalists exactly what the level is. But I don't feel like it's the same level of scrutiny, or you hear about as much openly anyway. But I, the, these two decisions, like you say, in isolation, you could well have justified it either way. I, to, to be honest, if you get given that replay the one that is close enough and with the right angle for the Odegaard um, penalty. I do not see how that's not clear and obvious. I do not see that if they've seen that, how it couldn't have been overturned or if that, like that is as clear and obvious as it gets, but it happened in the Tottenham Watford game. It happened. Did you see that with 10 minutes to go? Tottenham. I saw it on Twitter. I didn't, I wasn't watching it, but I did see it. But that's even more clear and obvious. And I just like, this is is huge decisions in huge games. And it's just like how would how are these inconsistencies being seen across every game? It's 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 crazy. And I think what these were the two decisions in this game that were kind of the headline moments because that was kind of obvious. But it felt like what was really unfortunate about this was that it was every decision that could have been 50-50 was either was 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 favoured towards Man City or against us, depending on what the situation was. And that could have been like every foul that they made was fine or given, right? And that was any foul that we would be given, it was cards. Like over 50% of our fouls were given as yellow cards or red cards. And then um, their first yellow card was in the 94th minute, which was after they scored the goal. And that was Rodri's taking his yeah, his um, his top off. And he had fouls before that. Um, and he had one that I think was given as a corner that could well have been a yellow card and a worse referee could have been a red card. And it was given as a corner, not even a foul. And you know, there was so many opportunities for them. And, and again, all justifiable decisions one way or the other, but there was a lack of consistency across the both teams. And it was like, if you're going to give one for one team, you do have to give it for the other. And that's where it felt bad. And look, we've had the rubber of the, ge- the green in some games this season. And I don't think there's some, you know, as you see on the internet, some crazy conspiracy. But the reason why it feels so bad now is like, remember the old Trafford, there was a Tommy Yasu, Tommy Yasu pull from the... Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I didn't really think that was a penalty at the time. Like... I could see it being given. I could see it, but like, I don't think it was enough of a shirt pull for it to be overturned. Had it been given, perhaps it wouldn't have been overturned again. So like, it was one of those, Yeah. but I don't think that's any different to the Xhaka one. But like the reason why we're not complaining about the Tomiyasu one and actually the Tomiyasu stump against Everton, it's because we didn't deserve anything from those games anyway. So it was kind of like, we're looking for excuses. So it's very difficult to complain about a decision when it's, we're not playing that well, but when you go toe to toe and you do play that well, and it's just feels so gut-wrenching when you're not getting like just consistent decisions across both teams and even Pep Guardiola at the end said that they got all the decisions you know and he said that every every moment went their way and he didn't say his, like a reference his, uh, yeah I made a it's note of like, that his comment was essentially it was uh he was like he liked to everyone likes to analyze matches afterwards and you can analyze this for ages but it's like ultimately this game is decided on a flip of a coin like the the 50 50 decisions went um not even decisions most just moments you know like that city's mm. second goal in that last minute like how many times does that ball drop to an arsenal player or drop to mm. ramsdale or run out or behind for a goal kick or you know all these situations it just happened there's no plan to that it's not a well executed move by city it's yeah kevin de bruyne dropping a ball into an area 
Rob Holding not getting quite enough on it, and it just happens to bounce to Rodri, and it like all of those things happened mm. against us. What, what was the decision that annoyed you the most? Look, again, I, it, all in these isolated moments, each one could be justified. I see. Um, I don't and, and think it, it can. Uh, go, well, so I which? Think, go on. Uh, Gabrielle's first yellow. Oh, mate. So do you know what that was ended up giving for? Yeah, yeah. I saw, like, the vi- I saw the video afterwards. It's I thought it was him scuffing the spot, and it wasn't that. No. It was when he ran up to the ref, and he didn't even got close enough to, to say anything. And the ref was like, had the yellow card in his hand. He was going to book someone, and yeah. Gabriel happened to be that person. Yeah. And like the annoying thing is, like with the penalties, the refs are... Uh, applying the law like completely rigidly saying um, well by the rules of the game if you pull someone's shirt in the penalty area is a penalty okay fine but if you're going to do that you can't just say if someone approaches me and I'm already wound up by lots of other people arguing or shouting at me and one person comes up and gets a word in that Mm. is not a yellow card then so you can't have it both ways. Absolutely. Like you apply that it, like objective logic to every single situation, which I don't think you should. I think there should be some like read the game uh, and game the, the moment. Yeah. But um, but then you, you can't do a bit of both. And then by the time the second one happens, like I, I think that is the right decision. It's so frustrating, but I don't think... That is a yellow card. I watched it in real yeah, time. But, I watched the replay. I was like, that's a yellow card. Yeah, but I think there's like I by the letter of the law, like it's it's maybe, but I think perhaps, and, and that could well be true. But the the thing that annoys me the most, trying not to swear, is how many times they did something either similar or worse and didn't get a single thing. So where are the consistencies? This yeah. is a, this is a, a referee who's effectively his decision has been overturned at a time where, um, and and his the decision been taken out of his hands. He clearly is feeling the crowd on his back. Players getting his face. He's lost his cool a bit, right? He's feeling quite worked up, and he needs to try and get control of the game in some way. He's given a yellow card to a player, and by the way, he gives it to Gabriel because Rodri or sorry Diaz pushes Gabriel into the referee. No, that so, wasn't it. But that's why he was the because he had his yellow card out. He was going to book someone. No, there, yep. it was it was it was well well after that. They were back oh. on the centre circle. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it wasn't in the box. Sorry, um, the, the, what, it was the, the first yellow card. The first yellow card, yeah. Right. Well, you, the, on the on the replay, you can see loads of the Arsenal players going back up to the ref again after they've scored the penalty and complaining. And he gets his yellow card out, clearly thinking like the next person who says anything, they're just in the book. And right. Gabrielle happens to run up and be that person. Mm. But that is not a bookable offence to run up to the no. ref. So I it's yeah, he, it's it's mad. It's 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 honestly crazy. And but look, like it's it's a combination of yellows that are frustrating. But there was so many, like it's fine that Man City do tactical fouling. They're the highest one of the highest foul counts in the league because that's what they do when you press so high. You're exposed at the back, and that's what they do to keep men forward, and they do tactical fouling. They rotate, and that's fine. And usually the cards can reflect that, and you can share that around, and that's all part of the plan. We do it as well, and that's absolutely fine. But they were doing that so often, and when they were breaking away, I've literally got a screenshot of us before any goal, or before any um, anything happened, right? Here we go. So somebody uh, 
fouls. I think it was Rodri. And then you said, that's an effing yellow, effing yellow. You put in capital yellows, uh, capital letters, yellow. <laughs> I say classic, effing yellow. And I said, absolutely classic. And then you stated the C-bomb. And then like, it's like, this is, this happened so many times. It was like, why are you yeah, not carding yeah, yeah. So, so when there's a foul, when there's clearly a heated moment and you've given somebody, you've, you're a referee and you've just given someone, a, you know, what is probably a team yellow card and a very soft yellow. Yeah. Somebody comes up, team Gabriel Jesus does him, right? Exactly. He comes and does him and then Gabriel fouls him. Sure. Wasn't dangerous. Wasn't like a, it, it wasn't a, uh, anything that's reckless. It wasn't something that's endangering the player. Like, why are we sending players off? Right. Sure. You could yeah. argue that's a yellow, but you could easily say it's not. I've seen <laughs> a lot yeah. of fouls not, in the same game from Man City players for a lot worse, not given yellow. So this where is where, is this is where I, re- I really... And you ended up getting... Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah, um, I really struggle because like it to be objective. Because in my head, I'm like, I really... I think, okay, the ref could go up to Gabriel and say, okay... You, like you are lucky I've not booked you again. And the only yeah. reason I've not booked you again is because the first yellow was uh, more of a team yellow than just for you specifically. Mm. But then I look at that and I'm like, that just objectively is a yellow card. But it's difficult. But the other one like objectively ma- is not what, what, a yellow what, card. But then what are so, objectively the, the the yellow cards that Man City should have gotten? Yeah, I know. I know but yeah. this is the inconsistency that we're arguing. It's not the individual decisions again, but it's a combination of all of them. Um, and do, you know that was Gabriel's first foul the entire game was it yeah it was his first foul you know it's, uh, all of this comes into play well, Rob like, Holding got booked for his first, his first foul as well and they were tactical fouling over the place Rodri made more fouls than anyone on the pitch and nothing didn't get it. Oh, I did get booked but he did get a book off because yeah, he scored yeah. and it's like but know, I don't believe on, where, this where is it like from? yeah I don't believe there's some kind of like conspiracy no, hate no, no, but no. It does. It does frustrate me, and I think that's a positive thing, really. Where if we were four 0 down, mm. and you know Gabriel gets sent off for a second yellow, it, you're like, well, it's like when Jack got sent off in the other fixture. I think we're two 0 down at the time, maybe. I was like, the game is already gone. Yeah, uh, but we were so like that. The second yellow happened just after Martinelli's chance, didn't it? Yeah, they scored yeah, no, Marcelo's chance. And then the and we went up the, the other end. They nearly scored. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. Why I, is I the ref running into the box there? Right, like of, of a referee who is clearly relying on VAR for all of his decisions and being very nervous and getting very hot-headed. Why is he running to see if the ball and sprinting in front of a player, i.e., Martinelli, to check if the ball goes over the line when that is the one thing that is completely binary and relies on technology? Yeah. You do not need to have a decision about. He sprints to try and see if it happened. Gets in front of Martinelli. Look. I I don't really see a fault with the referee there, to be honest. I think, you know, I think that is just a little bit unfortunate and Martinelli should really put it away anyway. Um, do I think he has a better chance if the referee doesn't get in the way? Yes, but I, look, it's yeah, he should really score. Tough. He yeah. should score. He, yeah. he was great throughout the day, but um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's, I th- it's all... I thought he was really good, but I think his decision-making was worse than it usually is. There are a couple of chances where... Mm. That where he could have squared it, and he kind of went on his own. Uh, yeah, uh, there's one where I think it was Rodri or Cancelo, one of the two, kind of came back, and he managed to get his left foot round them and shoot across goal, and it just went wide. That was after that that mad run. Yeah, um, but there were chances there. I think Odegaard, like if you pulled that back to the penalty spot area, Odegaard's basically got a tap in. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think he did it twice. That was that unbelievable. I mean, firstly, what a pass from um, <laughs> Ramsdale. 
again and then that, that was just... the, that was the other chance there was another oh, one. It was the other one yeah, yeah, yeah. right is that where, where he, he shot and it does cancello yeah 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 he... oh, that was unreal yeah but the, uh, that, that pass from ramsdale was mad the touch from martinelli was mad as he's martinelli running. was so yeah. good through the through the whole game but ultimately we had chances and we didn't take them and then mm. even if the decisions do go your way against a team like man city you have to put those chances away ultimately mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. the thing that i think that potentially is just getting really like excited in the moment and panicking a little bit just through lack of exposure if you're 20 you've not been in that moment many times so it's quite a novel thing for you yeah. so a little bit of inexperience and i think that really hammered home for for gabriel uh, i think it is whoever mm. was the pundits on match of the day there was ian wright and one other and the other guy described gabriel who was like yeah it's a it's a red through lack of experience if you're if you're 30 years old and you've mm. played for, for over a decade and you know you're on a yellow, you don't charge into that tackle. There's no yeah. need for him to do that. He was just in that so frustrated, as was I. Uh, so it's not a, a blaming him, but that's something... Yeah, I and I'm 29. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I would expect him to, to learn from, basically, and be like, okay, you have been exposed to this situation now. You, you 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 messed up basically. Mm. Uh, it doesn't. It won't happen again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you learn, you learn from those mistakes. I think it's good to feel victimized in this. I think it's a good feeling to yeah. have. I think I shared that. I think that um, the the way in which I think the team and the the fans will will connect over this. I know the full time whistle everyone was singing the team name, and it's kind of like us against the world, kind of mentality which i think is a really good thing for fans and teams to have but it's how you channel that and how you work on that and look last season we were having these conversations about like norwich at home or i can't remember any specific number (laughs) burnley at home it's like we played we were had we had some chances that we should have taken except we didn't play that well and we had to rely on fun fine margins to win the game we went against the best team in the world we pretty much had their number we shut them out couple of decisions or some fine margins didn't go our way which happens a couple of have you know we've we've had games this season where things have gone our way yeah yeah exactly. for sure so it's uh, you know it's it's not one of those there's no conspiracy or anything like it which you do read sometimes and it's just a frustrating day at the office against the team it's just you know you know what it's when you play so well it just feels criminal yeah i think yeah. and that, that's where the frustration comes from and the way that the goal happens in the last minute is is, is devastating. You know, it's just yes. last minute, they, they pump it forward. Rob Holden gets himself in a slightly bad position, but heads it, it 99% chance it goes somewhere else. It just happens to go to his feet. <sighs> you know, but I don't what think... Was your, what was your biggest positive from it then? Because we've gone for a lot of negatives yeah. with the officiating. What was your biggest positive from the... Uh... Oh, mate, I, it's a, that's a great question. I think... I think um, I, th- I think it really shows a statement as to who we are. And I think Arteta is probably the biggest plus there. Or oh, what's his jobs? The uh, AirPods <laughs> man who's made the game. Um, uh, I, think, I can't I think, his name, but I, I like him. Bad. I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, but the, I think this is a, a team that has shown themselves, apart from anything else, who they can really be. Um, and we've answered the questions that we had at the beginning of the season with a slightly different team, admittedly, but albeit some very disappointing results against some big teams. And yeah. I, 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 I think this changes the way that we're we're seen, firstly internally, but also what the media may think of us as well. And I think it's very difficult to put any really specific 
real strong positives on it just because there are so many but i one of the things i suppose that i really liked about it is the fact that arteta wasn't there but we still did this and i think Erdegaard, who i may give as man of the match that's very difficult um just because of his leadership i almost felt that he was controlling a lot and i actually thought he grew up a lot and he's been playing exceptionally well so yes yeah but there were so many go on was um one the main one well the, the thomas party's performance was the best i think and it, I, I think if you yeah. ask any arsenal fan you basically say yeah that was his best game and it's really annoying that he's mm. now going to go and play for ghana so i hope ghana do really badly and he's <laughs> immediately. But the main thing was me for me is that a few months ago i was looking i always looked at leicester and i was like that is a team that is greater than its some of its parts mm-hmm. like they as individual players, there's not many. Like, I think Yuri Tillman's is incredible, but there yeah, aren't that many players I look at in that team and think they're they're well beaters. And I think if you took a, if you didn't ask an Arsenal fan like in this team who is genuinely world class, I think nobody, very few people would say there are any world class players at the moment. There's quite a few yep. with the potential to be. But all these players, especially the new ones, you've got Ramsdale and White, um, Tomiyasu, like none of those were playing for big teams, doing big things last season. And then you bring them together collectively and as a unit, they're so good. Um, So that was the big positive for me. I was like, this is now a team that is a team rather than a collection of individuals. You know, when we have players like Ozil, Alexis Sanchez, um, yeah. uh, who are genuinely world-class players, but we're not getting the same tune out of that squad. Um, so for me, this is just much more enjoyable. And as you said, you just feel much more connected to the team. Um, and you get less worried about, oh, what happens when this player leaves? Yeah, it's a system that has been a long, a long time in the making and I think is a vindication of the Edu, the Arteta, balance um and the plan that we've really had to trust um for want of a better phrase but uh, and and i think it's um it really underlines the the development of this team are going through and i don't expect it to be like that every week of course with such young players but we are seeing the we do forget that this was always going to happen with the the young players that are martinelli saka smith rowe who are on a general upward trajectory with their age. This is always going to happen. And um, we are seeing them become men. And I think we are only going to see them become better. And, you know, I think there was, I heard someone really good say that normally what you see, and this is true, obviously, is with young teams, you see really erratic performances, a lot of um, running all across the pitch, high energy um, shots everywhere, just like lack of control, lack of system. But this is a collection of young players that are almost the opposite of that. And they've channeled their energy and their skills in such a way that they're, that they're maturing very quickly. And Martinelli, I think was kept out of the team for a long time because of, he wasn't doing that. And we all knew that he was capable of these things, but he's really getting the, the minutes and the, and the patience now to play a bit more calmly and a bit more maturely. And I think it's allowing him to become the player he can be. And I think that's consistent. So that's, what's pleasing, isn't it? Really? I think, yeah, and I look at um, like Liverpool's team, especially at the minute, and th- and look at it and think that's quite an old team now. Mm. Like Salah and Mane are both thirty. I don't know how Firmino, how old Firmino is. Henderson's thirty. Um, Van Dijk's in his late twenties. 
Trent and Robertson are quite young. Mm. But, uh, like in two, three years' time, those players are going to have to be replaced and to replace them both with equally good players at the same time is a really difficult task. Mm. And you'd think in two, three years' time, you know, when Saka is approaching 23, 24, and, you know, most of the players who are all currently in their very early 20s are approaching, like, mid-20s, you'd be thinking, okay, this is when they're starting to come into their peak. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it could happen. it's exciting. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. And um, I, I look, I, I think it would be incredibly wrong to say Liverpool got lucky because I don't think they did, but their scouting was exceptional and efficient. You know, they apart from the Van Dijk and, and then once they had quite good success bringing in Alisson, the yeah. rest of their investments were really smart. Yeah. yeah. Just super smart. And yeah. no one really questioned to, to, to be, sorry, no one really expected that much of them. And I think they were just really smart. And I think Man United have spent far more than, than Liverpool. And I think probably similar amount to, to, to Man City. Um, that's and, a team that's the complete opposite of what I just exactly. said. It's not something that is better than some of its parts. It's just, they're really good players. And that's it. And I think you can see two trajectories. I mean, Man City are a different kettle of fish in their entirety. I mean, they are already a well, well-oiled machine bringing in whatever the hell they want, to be honest. And um, yeah. Man City are, sorry, Manchester United are doing what we were doing on a far grander scale. Um, we were doing, you know, just bringing in patchwork. We were trying to get to the top four by bringing in your Williams and your God knows who else just to try and get that next level to try and you know, your Socrates and all these players just to try and fill a gap to get to the next level. And that was never going to happen when really we needed a Liverpool way of thinking, which is we need to outsmart the market because we don't have the finances other teams do. We need to have a real structure and a real plan to our transfer windows and and where we're going to go. And I think fair play to them. Fair play to them. Um, go on, let's do a quick dick of the day and a, a man of the match. I know we've spoken about a lot. There's, there's so many good things we can talk about throughout this game, to be honest. And I do want the overriding feeling to be a, a, a positive one because it was probably one of the best performances of the season, if not the best. Um, and I wish we had Spurs next week, to be honest. But yeah. we've got Liverpool and we've got um, Norris, Nottingham Forest in between. But um, who's your dick of the day? Uh, it was a toss up between two, but I'm going to go for. The fourth official, who was an hour late. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I mean, you're talking I didn't, about professionalism. I really understand mm. how, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't really look much past him, to be honest. Mm. And then, you know, if you, if that's what you're doing, you want to fly under the radar. And then for you're hoping that there were no major VAR decisions while you weren't there. But <laughs> <laughs> turns out there might well have been. <laughs> Question, what is the fourth official's job? I on the back know. of that. Was did that have any effect on the Odegaard? Like, I don't think it did, but I don't know what the fourth official's job, job now is. Is timekeeping. Yeah. And holding the board up. Yeah. And a sub for if the Lionos or the ref gets injured. God. It's great, great stuff. And he was now late. But I don't, there, may, there probably is more jobs than that, but it doesn't seem that mm. difficult. Perhaps being on time is the hardest bit of it. So, yeah. Who's yours? Oh, referees are too easily yeah. too easy so I think you've yeah. gone down a good avenue there Pep Pep complain. I've got a few mate Pep complaining um, that they played three days beforehand when you have a <laughs> two, two teams that could win it like mate have a day off um, I have then two I, like I don't know whether to give it to 
So Peter Walton, so he, he was, was in my the, backup. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. His his justification of like I'm so glad Rio Ferdinand. I would need to give man of the match to Rio Ferdinand or or um who else was on that panel. But just people, they were going back at Peter Walton saying, No, no, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, and 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 it's all I don't know what Peter Walton was doing, but he was backtracking and he knew he was backtracking because it, none of it made sense. And you could have easily justified it the other way. And I don't know if it's a referees union whatever it may be it but uh, yeah oh, i hate it but um my other one interesting was ian right um i didn't like his his analysis went as far as to say i think the referee's got the right decision which i saw that you could well have said and that's absolutely fine but there's no further analysis to it and it's like you did you watch the game did you see the other decisions where like what are you really analyzing here because you could both decisions we mentioned could have gone the other way and we both would have said well that's also the right decision but like i don't know anyway so i just thought he didn't really have our back there and it just just doesn't really help um who who is your man of the match i mean it was party yeah because he was absolutely unbelievable um i thought everything he tried came off he nutmegged a couple of players. He went on that absolutely steaming run down the left. You remember, actually, the yeah, way yeah. his legs were moving, I thought it was Saka. Um, obviously, very quickly realised it was, it was party because he never does that. It's very rare to see him go yeah, yeah. sprint down the wing. So, yeah, that was funny. Um, but I, I had a backup just in case you were going to go party. Uh, I've got. I went for party, but I also have a backup. Who's your backup? Um, my backup is the ball boy who was in the. <laughs> who was in the corner when we were one nil up and mm. uh, whoever was playing left back for City, Cancelo? Yeah, yeah. Went to go and get the ball off the ball boy and in, like, he went to go and hand it to Cancelo and then just at the last minute rolled it to the other ball boy. And then the other ball boy like <laughs> pretended to drop it and it rolled off and then he had to go run and get the ball and Cancelo ended up just running like nearly pushing the ball boy out of the way to get to the ball. I just, I just really appreciated the uh, shithousery. Yeah, we, do, we do love that. We do love that. That's so funny. I didn't even see that. Yeah. Um, should we... I mean, I mean, obviously, I think that does get one of the match, but I think Honourable mentions Erdegaard for his leadership. Um, I think Tommy Asu was exceptional. Yeah, um, agreed. Coming in last minute, having not trained, coming back from COVID unbelievable uh who else i mean martinelli again something else saka what a finish generally unplayable um but yeah no very 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 good um i think a word on jacker just to say that was we've obviously complained about the referee but i think he was just done there and it was another sloppy sloppy mistake and um i think i think had he not grabbed his shirt that decision doesn't get overturned that's my opinion i don't see the relevance of the shirt pulling like, I think so. People he was already saying, going down. He was already going down, but I think that was the inverting corners clear and obvious part. Uh, that's what Clip Pierre Walton was saying. And to be honest, okay. yeah, I don't that believe that a word that guy says. Yeah, no, that's fair. Me neither. Um, let's do some questions. So, uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I will go for. Uh, there's quite a few about transfers here. Mm. Um, yeah, obviously we're in Jan- yeah, January transfer window. A Rob XRTA said, "Would you like to sign? Who would you like to sign as a backup right back?" I think A Rob is forgetting that we have about seven backup right backs. <laughs> no, but I, I get his point. I, I, I really do. I mean, our backup right backs aren't that good, and I think our left back situation um, underlines that. I mean. We've got Tavares, who's a perfect backup for Tierney. 
And uh, we don't have that on the right-hand side. And that that person really is Ben White at the moment as what happened last week. And that brings Rob Holding into the mix, who isn't the worst backup centre mid, but really isn't the best centre mid. So centre back, back, sorry, centre back. <laughs> Christ, he would not be a good centre mid. Really. So, um, you know, I think that underlines his lack of trust in what Cedric, Hainsley, Maitland, Niles there, who's just been good being on loan. And uh, Christ, who have we got there? I suppose Bellerin oh, Chambers. Online, Chambers, of course. So... It's um, look. I I think that's the next level. I don't think that's a priority at the moment because we do have technically backup. Um, I don't think that's the the priority. But I would like a Max Aaron's or someone basically who who is the same as Tavares in the sense who who is quite good and is very young, so is happy to sit on the bench for a lot of it. But um, but also very keen to make an impression in cup games and and coming on at relevant times. I don't know. What about you? I don't think we should sign a right back. I don't think it's priority. I think mm. that for the rest of the season, we can use Ben White there and bring Rob Holding in. Yeah. I and even in the summer, I would like to see Saliba come back. Mm-hmm. Sally Baba. And, yeah, Sally Baba. And, uh, and have, you know, if Tommy Asu did get injured, then you put... Ben White there and bring yep. Sally Barbar in alongside Gabriel. Yeah. And then maybe, so. maybe bring, bring in a, you know, really young right back. But the thing is it, it could, I don't think someone like Max Aarons would work because he's too like stereotypical right wing back player. Mm. Yeah, Where Tommy true. Asu plays is very like, if you look at his average position, it's so much deeper than Tierney. So he will often come inside as almost like another central defensive midfielder. Yeah. Um, so you need someone who would be similar to that. And for that job, I think you need someone who's relatively big for a right back. True. Like uh, he, somebody who, who solidifies things. I mean, that's the underrated sort of Tomiyasu element Yeah, that makes him so good. He makes everyone else so much better yeah. just by being solid at the back. So yeah. I think that's interesting. I, I, I still would like to see another right back, whoever that may be. Um and you'd have to get rid is... of one. You'd have to get rid of at least one first. Fine, get rid of him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, literally. Like, Fine. We're going to upgrade our squad. That's exactly what we need to do. You're absolutely right. It's no emergency. There are far, far more pressing issues, and there are a few questions around: um, Will party's absence impact Arsenal upcoming performance? Someone said, "Will Capitino fill that role?" So who got said that? Apologise. So we got I A G J um, has asked that question who's asked about, um, yeah, so Owen Tierney official says, does um, Patino start during AFCON? So, I mean, that really underlines the the transfer around the the, the midfield issue that we've got. I mean, yeah. party's leaving, and then he's leaving, of course. He was a, he's a squad player. Um, who, who does that leave us with? Granite Xhaka, the Conga. Yeah. Mainsley, 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 Mainsley Niles looks like he's leaving on loan. An official bid has just been submitted. So good knows yeah, where Odegaard's played there a bit. Odegaard's played deep. That helps bring in Emil Smith Rowe. Well, the questions were Will Party's absence impact Arsenal for upcoming performance? Yes. I mean, massively. massively. And does Patino start during mm-hmm. AFCON? No. Um, mm-hmm. Well, maybe against Forest, but that's the only game I could see in. Yeah, he wouldn't even start that game. No he wouldn't. Way. Well, Lukonga needs to, right? Like, when yeah. was the last time we saw Lukonga? Seriously, it's crazy. I mean, he was one of our best players for a long time. And... But, but that dilemma suggests to me that it's weird because the 
AFCON starts really soon. Mm. And if you go out early, which I don't think either Egypt or Ghana will, uh, so that's El end party, mm-hmm. um, it means they're, they'll be back like late Jan, early Feb. Mm. So if you are going to bring a player in, you want to do it now. Or, or you'd always want to do it earlier, but it makes a lot more sense if you could bring someone in almost immediately to kind of cover these games. Yeah. But when Party comes back, you think, well, he's probably going to start. If he's yeah, fit. Yeah, yeah. So, you, yeah, if we can get someone like the kind of Martin Odegaard deal we did last year, like a loan, um, I think that would be the best option. I think that's the most likely position we'll sign in, in January, but I'm not convinced we'll get so. anyone. I, 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 if if we can get, because I still think that that is a position that we are looking to actively, as well as the striking position, upgrade imminently. I think that's yeah. two most important positions are the, um, the centre cent, cent, mid, proper centre mid, proper centre forward, um, to partner with Partey. Partey. I think we nearly tried to get rid of Jacker last season, but realised it wasn't really going to be possible, so committed an extra year to him and a bit more money. He was going to go to Roma, wasn't he? He was going to go to Roma, yeah, yeah. but I, I, I think it was a good decision to keep him, quite frankly. I don't think we were able to get the player we wanted, and I think if we're going to get rid of Jacker, we need to get someone who is a massive upgrade, and it's going to be like a landmark signing, and I think there's a few in few in the mix at the moment, like Bruno Gomez has been you know, cited by various people as being quite keen on the move, who looks very good, plays for Leon. Um, there are a few out there, but I, with Ainsley Mate and Niles going, we, we are looking light and there's a lot of games coming up, um, which which does worry me. There are options, but I, I think one of the main options could be having Ainsley Mate and Niles. If we can't get that landmark signing that is going to be consistently replacing Xhaka for the rest of the season, then it kind of feels pointless spending any money on it. But keeping AZ Maitland-Niles here until January's finished and then let him go on 31st January might well be the best option. Um, if Roma are prepared to do that, yeah. If, if one, Roma are prepared to do that and two, that means that we still would actually get good performances from AZ Maitland-Niles because that could well just mean he's losing his head. He knows he's not welcome. Not welcome, but not wanted. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think we've got a problem. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm a bit nervous about it. We've got some big games, Liverpool twice, Spurs away. Yeah, uh, and the mighty Nottingham Forest, of course. So yeah, um, it's new reds, new yeah. reds. Um, another one. P underscore Petro said, "Do you think Arsenal can can finish in the top four? Uh, can they? Yes. Will they? Poor. If you ha- you can't say I don't know. You've got a pick. I've got a pick. All right. Okay. Um, yeah. Then you think they will? Um, look, I, I, again, if I could sit on the fence, I would, but it sounds like no, I can't. No. So I'm going to say no. yes, because I think, it, 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 I think we can. And if it, like we've got to beat Spurs now. And I think Man United, if, I don't think Man United are going to have a good end to the I season. Think, I think they're playing now, actually. They're, they're playing in 20 minutes. Okay. I think Phil Jones is back in the team, I think. Uh, yeah, he is. Good. First, period, first appearance in 707 days. Jesus wow. Christ. That is a... What happened to him? Oh, he died, mate. He died. 707 days? That's mental. I noticed earlier, he, he made like, he's made like 150 appearances for Man United. He got there in 2011. It's mental. Mental. Sad. Lots of injuries. I think it's his face. I think TV uh, rights just don't want that face on TV. 
um, you know, the faces he pulls when he, you know, doing yeah. various things. But um, yeah, no, I, what was the question again? Do I think, I, oh, look, Man United, I've looked at the fixtures and Manchester United have got a hell of an easy next eight games. They're going to set some points up if they don't absolutely mess it up, which I think they have the capacity to do, particularly the away games. After that, their last 10 games are tough. Like super, super tough. Yeah, because they've got an easy run now, haven't they? Mm, they've got an easy run. I, I, that's not too dissimilar from Spurs as well, by the way. So after Spurs play us, I think they've got a few more easy games, and then they are looking tough for a bit. And I don't like. I know uh, Conte's looking, making them help, helping them make it a little bit better. And they have gone technically unbeaten for for a good number of games, but they haven't looked great. Apart from against Liverpool, uh, you know they they've been very lucky to to be scoring, and it's taken a, a VAR decision for Watford not to beat them. So, who knows, mate? Who knows? Um, so you, I I don't think we will this season. Mm-hmm. I think because we've played twenty matches, thirty five mm-hmm. points, one point seven five points per game. That's projected giving us sixty six point five points. So let's say sixty seven. That would not have been good enough for fourth last season, the season before, or the season before that. And, you know, I love stats, mate, and I love maths, but sometimes it's what you see with your eyes, and I just get a feeling with what we've been doing, I think we're going to have a better second half of the first half. I I agree. What that Um, means for points is difficult to say, but we've played all the difficult teams away, apart from... Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah. Um, Spurs. Who are beatable, but and Spurs. Spurs is massive. Just, that is it the is, ultimate yeah. six pointer. Um, one more question. Yeah. Okay. Um, Andreas Saverson. Saverson. Sorry, was the name. Saverson. Saverson. Um, he says this is a good question. Should Martinelli keep starting over Smithrow, even though they've both been brilliant? I don't know what more Emil Smithrow can do mm. to get a start. I. What are our fixtures? Because we're playing on Thursday and then we're playing on Sunday. It must be Sunday. Yeah. And then we'll be playing midweek again because it's the League Cup. Uh, and you would assume, well, you'd hope we would go through against Forest. So we'd still be in, well, we'd mm. still probably be probably be in two, maybe in three competitions. So yeah. I think there will have to be an element of rotation anyway. I think uh, it will ultimately come down to... I think Smith-Rowe will probably start against Liverpool and Martinelli won't. And then if Smith-Rowe does really well and Martinelli does anything other than play really well, then Smith-Rowe comes back into the team. And I don't see it as a negative for either player. I don't see it as you're dropped. I'd see it as... this guy is starting because he's just done so well. You've also done really well, but right now this is the guy who's in form. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is this is pressure on positions, and that's exactly what we want. We've got about four or five players who can play across that three, and oh, they're all good. They are all looking sharp, and um, that's a that's a good position to be in. And I, I, I see it slightly differently. I, I firstly, yeah, like you say, there's there's minutes to be played and they will all get good minutes. Martinelli is the man in form at the moment, but also Emil Smith-Rowe was injured and I think he played through a bit of pain just before he played. And I think historically, he's always been a player that has had bad injuries and I think we're probably just managing him quite well and we're quite lucky that we don't have to rely on him because Martinelli's playing so well. 
and I think it's perhaps just some some good long long term management throughout the winter season of of Smith Rowe, who's probably one of our best players, or definitely so. And look, he's doing a great job off the bench as well. So um, I don't see it as well. I'm not saying we are, but it, you know, I think it can be seen as an issue. I don't think it is one. I think it's 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 all good stuff. It's all good stuff. I think um, minutes are going to be there, and I think perhaps Martinelli might even be a centre forward one day. So they can all get them on the pitch one day together, perhaps. Yeah, you think if um, if uh, Lacazette gets injured, mm. I don't think you can rely exclusively on Enketia. No, no. Especially since um, he's probably not going to be here next season. So, mm. yeah, I'd quite like to see Martinelli at centre forward. Me too. I'd really too. like to see Martinelli at centre forward, actually. It'd be so exciting. Like some of the Saka and, uh, and Smith Rowe up front. Oh, Rodegaard behind them. That's, 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 that's a lot of fun. That is oh, fun. mate. Like a knife through butter. That's about as fun <laughs> as it gets. Yeah. I say let's give it a whack at um, Nottingham Forest and let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, Feels a bit overkill for Nottingham Forest, but yeah, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it could be a fun test, mate. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think we'll go strong for <clears throat> perhaps not Nottingham Forest, but we'll go stronger for Liverpool. And yeah. I, I say, how good would that be for this young team, though, right? I mean, that is going to be... If we can come out having won a two-legged game, uh, second leg against... Uh, it is going to be uh, Anfield. That's going to be big for this team. Who, who's still in and it? Us, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, Chelsea, and Tottenham. Mm. Okay. Imagine Spurs final. Oh, Stuff I really want to go to that, yeah. Oh, mate, yeah. Um, yeah terrifying stuff well let's should we, should we leave it there i think we've, we've probably yeah, gone on quite a, like a while so um who's next then so it's monday today thursday 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 we've got liverpool, liverpool at home and then FA we need Cup to weekend. good good i think we do need to set a bit of a precedent i think we need to get a few goals because anfield's going to be tough but i think this team can do it so um huge all right mate well look thanks for coming on happy no new year to you happy new year you to too, all the listeners yeah have a good 2022 Have a good 2022. Speak to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Speak to you soon. 